Hey everybody, my name is Alex and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now, before we get started with the podcast, a more annual thank you to the people who have been listening to the podcast for the entire year since I got the like yearly wrap-up from... Um, I actually do my podcast through like lots of people. I do it through... I publish it through Anchor, and you've probably heard the Anchor ads if you've been listening for a long time, but, um, they, like, showed a, a amount of growth I did not expect, so thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and without further ado, let's get to what we're talking about today, and that is a little show from Netflix, and more, more actually from Studio Bones, called Super Crooks. Now, I want to talk about the like, origins of Super Crooks a little bit more than I generally ever do. And that's because it has a unique... It's a unique thing, not only where in what it is, but in where it came from. So if you've ever heard of Mark Miller, you've probably heard of Mark Miller from um, a run of Batman comics. I forget what the actual name of the Batman comics is, but he's famous for making these, like, dark gritty comic book worlds that were like stuff has real consequence and has real weight. Um, he's also famous for a lot of like not great things. I'm sure just like any comic creator, just like any famous person. But the really interesting thing is that if you look at the original source material for, if you can find it, um, for Super Crooks, it, um, highlight, it's about supervillains, that's why it's called Super Crooks, but it's about, it's about people who develop superpowers in the, in the kind of guise of almost a My Hero Academia-like fashion, 
It's not quite as like everybody wakes up and they have like quirks. It's more a bunch of like a bunch of people all over the world wake up and they have awakened quote unquote superpowers and they have this like and the the one guiding factor is supposed to be that they all are somehow blood related to the original like six superheroes and that DNA allows them to have superpowers. So people with superhuman abilities don't don't grow on trees quite in the way that um they do in My Hero Academia, but they're also not as uncommon as you might imagine. And the overall kind of thing that happens is you kind of go down one of two paths in this in this universe. Although I'm sure there are tons of people with superpowers who don't use them or use them sparingly, and you actually see that in like the in the second time skip in the in the story in probably the whole story but the definitely in the show and they they're just like normal people so you have this kind of like league of justice which is kind of like think the justice league but more the um version of the justice league that they have in the boys than the version of justice league and justice league <laughs> And then you have this organization called The Network. And The Network is this big network of super... Uh, of basically a supervillain assistance comp- like organization that you like... They take a certain amount of your like ultimate payout from whatever job you did. From whatever like supervillainy you did. And then... But for that, they guarantee us, like, what, um, what the main female character says is basically a small amount of protection that's not even really, will not guarantee you not getting hurt or dying. It will more just, like, handle the cops, maybe, if it's one cop. (laughs) But they take about, they take, like, an iTunes-level cut of your profit. Um, but, which is to say about 30%. Uh, but, it's led by this guy named the Bastard. And the Bastard, in the show, and actually in the comic, is almost like, what if Donald Trump, but he can, ex- but he can make your head explode, like, like a, like hitting a watermelon with a baseball bat. <laughs> like, what is that? And, you end up following the... This these characters named um, John, I think it's um, Johnny Vol- Johnny Volt and and his girl and his like his love interest and but before we get to that I want to kind of highlight what I think is like the first thing this thing does right and that is it starts with Johnny Volt's like childhood. As, like, a kid in, like, a not-great-part of California. In, like, a okay part of California. Like, nobody's ultra-wealthy. But it's just... It's, like, a Californian suburb, basically. And he lives with, like, a shitty mom who's, like, just trying to get laid, but she's also an asshole. And... In, like, a rundown house. 
And around in like his like high school year, he awakens his superpowers. And so naturally him and his like best friend who's like a nerdy like kid who draws and like loves superhero comics are like you we should we should make you a superhero, Johnny. And at his first real attempt to become a superhero, he does something that to be fair it's not, it's like the kind of stupid thing that like teenagers do in like the moment. Like if they gave it five second thoughts, they've been like, oh, electricity, water, not great. He like makes his superhero appearance over a swimming pool, like hovering, like maybe like, I want to say like eight feet up over a swimming pool, gets distracted, drops from the, drops from the sky into the swimming pool, but he's like still charged up. And he immediately electrocutes basically his entire graduating class. <laughs> With the exception of this girl who was, who was vaguely interested in him, but was also, like, kind of hanging out with the, school, with the class bullying. And he's, like, stunned. But also, no one has really connected him to it, because as soon as somebody was like, oh... That's Johnny. He's like, no, I'm not. Drops from the sky, electrocutes a whole public pool full of fucking people. And it's this, like, big disaster area. And he's, like, he's the only one unscathed who was in the pool. No one asked questions about that. But, like, he's, like, cowering in a blanket. And you start to see the ramifications of him and his friend messing with his powers up until then because he's like cowering and they show a shot of a of a local outdoor mall that they had like messed with his powers with with the neon sign and it's this big at the first time they show it in the episode it, this neon sign like sparks a bit and like has a like overload thing happen you think like oh it's fine no the the sign is broken the mall is shut down it's like totally short-circuited and you realize that this entire time he's been kind of fucking up with these powers because he doesn't know how to control them accurately and then he like accidentally sets off a bank machine and it's this moment when he's like you know like i tried to do the right thing i tried to be i tried to be i tried to be a superhero and not a superhero but I definitely have superpowers, and I'm gonna get fucking mine. And at this point, he's like, "Get me a bag." He to his friend, like, "Get me a bag. I'm getting out of here tonight. Like, I, I'm not waiting anymore. I'm gonna get out of here tonight." And then that's the end of that episode. That's a hard end. And then the and I'm not gonna go episode through episode. I just want to demonstrate this particular thing and then the next time you see him they make it really clear that it that it's that same character it's Johnny and he's in what this prison called Supermax and Supermax is a prison with equipment specifically to hold supervillains it's like they wear these special like weird harnesses to like um to like Stop their powers for, for to stop them from using their powers and all this other shit. And he gets like 
he gets depowered, like, like he gets the harness taken off because it shows it comes back into the story on his release day, and he got eight months for basically small electronic tampering in the form of like going around and getting caught stealing um, from ATMs in San Francisco. <laughs> and at this point, he's he being let out, and you see that he's just kind of like a nice dude. Like it, the thing I love about this, and the thing I kind I, they didn't quite capture in the kind of Ocean's Eleven of it all in um, in the Great Pretender. It's like oftentimes one of the ways that like bad guys can be bad guys is they're doing bad things, they're committing crime, but they're not always shitheads. They're not always terrible people because as this show kind of demonstrates pretty as this show demonstrates pretty plainly like bad people, people who are like just like terrible, awful human beings to other human beings, not to like property and um like property and wealth do not fare well in the world of professionalized crime because eventually they cross someone as with a character and the bastard and that and they cross the wrong person and that person they cross comes and like not necessarily even end them but like end their fucking lives and you see that Johnny's like a He's not necessarily a great criminal, but he's a pretty upstanding person who has some, like, shithead general, generally shithead guy tendencies of, like, yeah, I'm gonna tell my, I'm gonna tell my girlfriend of, like, years that I'm not going to, you know, rob, rob this, do this rob, do this sketchy robbery that I don't know where the plan came from, but... I do, it goes wrong. She has to dig me dig me out of it. And I have to be like, look, I'm a fucking moron. I shouldn't have done that. And his, I, I wish I could remember her name. Um, but the, his love interest is um, this, is another supervillain. But what she can do is she can basically... Um, she can basically use telepathic suggestion. They, they say that it's like she's putting illusions in people's heads and they have one instance of you seeing an illusion that's in somebody's head and they, um, they, um, they, show her doing it multiple times and it seems um it see it it makes sense when you see it and then the next time they use it they use it in a way where it's almost like an ocean's 11 like um swapped feed from the from the original from the um ocean's 11 with um not the original one the one with um George Clooney and it's a really great it's a really great like 
concept of a power and they have all these other characters with powers that you can kind of understand. And then they have one character who's at the point you meet him in the story is an old man who was a supervillain without having a power. He just had he just had two big flamethrowers. Think um He just had two big flamethrowers and like gas tanks strapped to his back. And it was um really a unique um, portrayal of like there are superheroes in this there are super villains in this with um, with no powers because they just wanted to be they just wanted to like get rich through crime they were like con men or like amateur robbers or something who like just stepped up their game and um, the, his love interest name is Casey and Casey, after dragging him through the mud, and at this point I want to talk about specifically the, like, on-screen relationship of Casey and Johnny, because it, they do a thing where it feels real, where it feels like a relation, like a lived-in relationship that you're coming into in the middle of, and, like, you, like the reason you don't ask questions is because they feel genuinely, A, attracted to each other, and B, like, they're good for each other in some ways. Like, the thing about um, Casey is that she is really selective about her job. She doesn't work for the network, doesn't do any work, any work with the network, because the, like, whole vibe of the network is kind of the whole vibe of the of the app store in that it it sucks to have to deal with them and like there are people who people make a living doing crime through with the, with plans the networks give them but they don't no one is like a smash hit success in a way that they could be if they did it independently so Eventually, push comes to shove, and they get a um, and they have this job with this guy, with this guy who was, um, I think his name was like Hot Streak or something, but his real name is uh, with this guy who was the flamethrower guy who was called the Heat in the seventies, and he is this character, actually this old guy named Carmine. And Carmine basically wants to steal back the helmet of this character who he was, uh, who he had worked with previous, who he worked with previously after he had had his own solo career as a supervillain. Um, and they do it successfully, although, like every at every point, Carmine's plans are kind of they just fall short. They're almost there. But the guiding principle is that um, Johnny is always the one to fix the problem. Like, he's always the one who's quick enough thinking to fix the problem. And they have these, and they have this other, ca this other cast of characters, a character named Josh, who is the ghost who can 
basically um, shadow cat style phase through walls and shit. Um, there's um, Salamander, um, who is, I believe Salamander is is two people, and Sa- Salamander um, is this is are these two characters who are Highlander style immortal, like they can get sliced and diced, like cubed up, and they'll like reconstitute, which leads to one of the better like dealing with a laser with a laser grid trap scenario I think I've ever seen in my life. It's cause just the most demented, most insane thing <laughs> I've ever fucking seen. Um and then you have um TK McCabe and um Sammy Diesel Actually, the Diesel brothers, Sammy Diesel and Rodney Diesel, I believe, are the um other characters, and then other characters who you can who like get sliced and diced all the time. And because they do this, the jobs they usually take are literally like, I'll be the pro wrestling bad guy who gets chopped in half, which is hilarious. Um, and then you have um. The Praetorian, who is an interesting character we'll get to in a second. And Forecast. And Forecast is this, like... It is a black guy who can control the weather. And with all these characters, they have... They do the kind of, like, we're getting the band back together to pull off a heist. And they pull off the heist, and then they are immediately... Um... They're immediately thwarted by the bastard. Who's like, we can't let you get away with this because this would prove that the network isn't worth it. If people knew that they could make it big without the network, they wouldn't work for us. And of course they can, but we need to maintain control. So he kills the client they were stealing a helmet for, who is also an old friend of his, takes the helmet... You find out that the Praetorian, this, like, ancient Greek god who has, like, 200 powers that, like, shuffle like a deck of cards. So, like, he gets a different one every time. Um, is working for the bastard. And now they've, they've done this big job and they did it. They pulled it the fuck off. But they... They didn't get the payday. And they won't get the payday. And it sucks. And they followed the rules. They, they did the thing where it was all going to go their way. And it didn't. And like they... And in Casey's case, she bet all the marbles on this. She was like, we're going to be billionaires in an instant. We can retire. Like, me and Johnny can get married and we can have a life that is, like, easy and cushy and awesome. But because that didn't go well, her she's still with Johnny at this point. But Johnny's like, look, our, our job didn't go the way we wanted it to. It's not going... It, like... 
we didn't get the big payday. But that doesn't mean we can't get married. And she at this like light lightens her spirit and he's like, Well get married tomorrow. He like makes a like cool static electricity ring because he doesn't have the money to buy her a ring. And she like overnight this whole thing happens. Only his old crime buddies show up to go out on a um to go out on a bachelor party. They like kidnap him and Take him on a bachelor party. After they get kicked out of the... And the, the thing that you kind of... The thing about his old crime buddy that is really great in terms of the show's storytelling is like, his old crime buddies aren't bad people, but they aren't, like... The thing is that Johnny is so clearly bet, like a better criminal and... A better has better superpower than they do, in um, in in the like opening in like the second episode's heist that they do like of like a bunch of jewelry stores like along Rodale Drive basically, um, you see that like yes all of them are really powerful and really talented, but Johnny is like on a whole different level and they do a good job of making them all like still still have skills still have talent but not have the kind of talent of like a a Danny Ocean and not have the kind of mind of a Danny Ocean if that makes any sense um if you've ever seen Ocean's Eleven or any of the Ocean's movie you'll be like oh okay I get it it, it, that will that will make sense to you, I promise. And after they're like, they're like loose and got kicked out of a strip club and blah 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 blah. Th- they, Johnny, who's like still depressed that like he didn't get his big payday, but like happy, but like also kind of deliriously happy because he's going to get to marry Casey. D- goes up to his old trick and he like takes he like just takes money out of a ATM he like charges the ATM and money comes out and he's like yeah you can't do this anymore because there's cameras at ATMs mostly because I went all over the country and fucking stole from ATMs <laughs> and one of his like idiot buddies is like yeah that's why I bought our super suits and then the next thing you see is them riding on an ice float, riding on a frozen trolley car down, down the hill and just like taken from ATM every couple, every like couple blocks. And then, and that was like, and the thing is, they do a really good job of, in the show, of showing you like, where they're allowed to go wrong and where like where the line is and where the line was and the line for them was not like going down the middle of the road taken from ATM that didn't get them in trouble what got them in trouble was when Johnny got emotional they smashed the trolley car into a bookstore and tried to take all the MDA books because Casey <laughs> needed textbooks for her um for her legal degree 
and and Casey and Casey is kind of Casey is framed as being the one who's making all the right decisions as a supervillain in this show up until um the five year time skip which is about to happen and so she's like she's she works as a hostess and wait as a hostess and wait staff at a really high end trendy vegan restaurant um that like serves celebrities and shit she you know is studying she's studying for a law degree and she but she still also wants to make like a big splash and like be a billionaire through villainry through like a big job and she's very selective about the job she takes which means that she doesn't take almost any jobs and up until this point you really see her as this really pragmatic really honestly like hard-working earnest character who is a supervillain, but yes, yes, is a supervillain, but wants to work hard at it and wants to do it the right way. And it's contrasted in the fact that, like, Johnny, you know, went to jail for petty theft, but because he had superpowers, he did eight months in Supermax, which is a supervillain jail. Um, in this case, he goes to jail for five years because he's a repeat offender. Um, for attempting to, for, like, stealing from a bunch of ATMs and attempting to steal from a bookstore. And he gets out of prison, and Casey's had enough. And this, like I said earlier, this tracks with, like, a real relationship. Like, Casey is part of the criminal element, so she's okay with getting caught. Especially when her boyfriend who gets caught in question shows a lot of promise and she's like trying to get, try, and she's trying to get their feet under them constantly. But when she thinks she gets their feet under them, it, they get sweeped out from under them by something they could never control. And they get, and then. Her dumbass boyfriend goes and, like, gets busted again. That's kind of the last straw. He's going to have to do a lot to get back in her good graces. And at the same time, you know, Crook's going to be Crook. And the, this is where the, the, like, title of this thing makes a lot of sense. The Great Pretender, which is a, um, a con artist anime also on Netflix, um, which possibly inspired Studio Bones to go after Super Crooks, is about the, like, con artists who pull off the cons that are so big you never see the edges until you, they've taken all your money. But the... But Super Crooks... It's about just that. It's about a bunch of just like criminals who can't help themselves. Who the way they who the way they are wired is to, you know, steal from people. And actually this is where the salamander comes in because the salamander was the um 
second in command for the network, and now he controls the network because um, the bastard has retired, and he's built this like big weird island in Japan, off the coast of Japan. There's a giant casino island, and he basically like sits, never uses powers. He doesn't use his powers again until mostly the very end, until the end end of the show. Um, and he just kind of sits and prints money day in, day out. And the other thing you want to remember is that the network is, you made, it's made pretty, it made pretty obvious the network has created the technology that allows Supermax to exist, meaning the technology that allows Supermax to contain people with superpowers. And so he, the bastard has um, built that into his casino so no one can show up and cheat at his casino. But the other part of it is, is like, normally people aren't all that dumb to go cheating in casinos owned by, like, a supervillain who runs the, like, world's biggest and only global supervillain network. That seems like a bad idea. Even if the payout is insanely high. At, but Carmine, being Carmine and not... And never really having, like, it, his plans all completely worked out, that's what he attempts to do. He, like, he like tweet-talks somebody into, like, who can tell... Who can see it 30 seconds into the future, and he into helping him, and he, like, basically counts cards in the Salamander's Casino in Las Vegas. Gets caught, and he is on the hook for, like, a hundred, for, like, a hundred thousand dollars. And Carmine goes crawling to Casey, because the thing with Casey is that Casey has the same kind, doesn't have the intelligence Oh, doesn't have the, like, scheming mind of, um, someone like Johnny, but does have the ability to recognize, like, oh, like, I've heard of this plan, that you should get it on this plan, you'll get money this way. And Carmine comes asking his old, his old, um, protege for help, and at this point, Johnny has come has like just come back into Casey's life. Casey is like, "Listen, you shithead, I'm not. I can't do this anymore. You know, you left me at the altar. How do you think that feels?" And he's like, "But like, why are you working in a donut shop? You should be fine." And she's like, "I got shit grades in my MBA program. I'm not that smart, you dumbass. <laughs> Clearly, I ended up in a donut shop." And so, she, um, Johnny lets them know about this tip he heard about when he was in Supermax. And the tip he heard about in Supermax was, involved the bastard and the bastard's new big East Asian casino hotel thing. And the other heist was... If the other heist was like a precursor to an Oceans movie, 
this heist is the Oceans movie. It is so like two characters are distracting the big the big target while the other characters are all doing the target. It is full on. They like full on do a Fender Rose moment scenario <laughs> from Ocean Twelve. Like they, they do an Ocean Twelve for like the last four episodes of this show, and it's excellent. And by the end of the show, like. Johnny has proven, like, he knows what he's doing. He he has apologized to Casey for being an absolute shithead and going away for, like, five years he didn't need to and leaving her at the altar. And they have this little moment at the end where they show them all, like, like where they they are all now, um, which is very heist movie adjacent also. But you see Casey and Johnny in a hot air balloon, like, having a romantic moment. And he asks her to marry him. And she's like, I'll think about it, motherfucker. You already left me at the altar once. I'm not super, like, I love you, don't get me wrong. I really love you. But I'm not going to give you the yes. Which is a great, which is a great touch for the show. And the, like, the hyped moviness of this show, especially the last, the last arc of it, is really that combined with the time skips they show you, combined with all the different parts, really make a show, really make a show that is full of characters who are like, who are crooks that become like, Big-time people who do heights. And the last thing I want to talk about is actually the um, laser grid sequence in this because it's fucking incredible. Um, The two characters, um, the two brothers, Sammy and Roddy Roddy Diesel, are the ones who are like Highlander-style immortal. And they run and... There's this big thing where they have to disarm the, like, power detection thing that exists in the underground part of this casino because they have to, if they disable it, they'll be able to use their powers, but before it's disabled, they can't. And they need, and um, Johnny is very specific, like, we need our powers, we need all of our supervillainry to be able to get through the booby trap that lead to this thing that they call 4D briefcase, which is basically, uh, which is basically a hammer space bag <laughs> full of, like, full of, like, a Fort Knox worst amount of gold, <laughs> which is great. And so they have, they have this thing where they have, um, Roddy and Casey actually pose as scientists and suggest the idea of a time machine and distract the um and distract the bastard and the Praetorian. And then they do a like a second round of distraction that involves Casey and Casey's abilities to like put um illusions in people's heads where the bastard thinks he's winning but he's really just fucked up his entire like upper upper rank of staff and, like, been in the cave the entire time. 
which is very which is very heist movie adjacent also. But then they get to this they go through all these booby traps and like the ghost is an expert at one, forecast is an expert at another one, even Carmine like gets to be the heat again because like Johnny had his um flamethrowers repaired and he like gets to burn through a lock and he's like, Yeah, I'm an old guy but I still got it. And then they get to the final booby trap. And the final booby trap is a, like, red-hot, invisible laser grid that, um, (laughs) that tracks DNA signatures. Meaning that it will even cut the ghost in half. Because the idea is that the ghost is really useful because he can just fade through things. But this would even catch the ghost. This would even catch old Joshy Boy, the ghost. And this is where they have, um, this is where they have the Diesel Brothers just step up to the fucking plate. And the thing they do is the most demented thing they could possibly do. And to be clear, this show demonstrates this kind of fucked up humor in smaller ways. All throughout the show. Like, they, they, like, especially with the Diesel Brothers, the, um, scene, and the, they add another, um, character to their mix, who's, like, the, who's the Sandy character from Oceans, but this character is, um, a character named the Gladiator. And the way they add the Gladiator to the mix is just, like, so, it's so conmantastic that, it's amazing. Johnny asks the gladiator out on a date. And the gladiator is apparently gay, but in the closet. And they blackmail him so they can get him to rob. To A, get beat up the Praetorian when it comes down to it, but also rob the um rob the bastards big fancy casino and hotel with them. And like he's like the he's the former wronged party they brought into the loop, which is once again another like con artist second movie scenario. And the uh, but the big thing with Sammy Diesel and um with Sammy and Roddy Diesel is that like I said they're they're like they're like kind of like wolf. They're kind of both like Wolverine in that they can take a hit and they'll just like reconstitute. And so they do. And this, like I said, they've had like weird, fucked up humor moments like this before, but nothing like this. And this is kind of this is kind of the um like all out ball to the wall like finale action finisher variant for this show, I think. And it's this... They both take their mark like they're running a race and they race to the button on the other side that disables the laser grid. And as they race to it, the lasers just slice them apart like freaking chicken on a cutting board. And they, like, fall, reconstitute, 
run for another two feet, and then fall again. Until, like, I think it's, um, it's not Roddy, it's Sammy, who, like, he, like, thrusts his arm forward, so his arm gets chopped off, and, like, his limb flies and just smashes the button in. And then they reconstitute and they're like totally naked because their clothes are totally like ripped apart by the way they're and but like they keep they keep they keep cutting back to the other people and one of them's like see that's disgusting what is wrong with you it's like yeah it was the best idea I could. it was the best idea with the amount of power we have at our disposal this is why we needed them and then eventually, even even Johnny's like, okay, now I'm starting to get a little sick. This is perverse. <laughs> um, but like, it's that kind of fun is also all the way through this show at its best because it it's called Super Crooks and it's about these kind of like common supervillain criminal type. Like, elevating up to doing a, like, like, a heist for good kind of thing in the, in the final, in the final episodes of it. And it's got a really unique look to it, to it, too. It feels much less traditionally anime than a lot of stuff, especially a lot of stuff from Studio Bones, the people who made this. And it... It, for the most part, avoids the feeling of, like, yeah, this takes place in America, but, like, nobody knows what America is or means on this staff. And that's pretty impressive. Um, the one thing I will level against it is it has, especially in the beginning, some pretty bad CG, but when you're watching it, a, you don't, you only notice it a few times, and B, when you do notice it, you, you notice it because you're like, oh, they needed to, they want to do this really complicated shot, and this was how they were able to do it, because they're using all the background elements in CG, so they only really have to animate the characters. And on that note, if you like this episode, um, I definitely encourage you to go check out Super Crooks on Netflix. Um, if you have Netflix, I don't, I would not say this is like, I mean, if you don't have Netflix and you're listening to this, like, what, who are you? Like, who are you? You are fascinating to me. <laughs> um, but if, assuming that you do have Netflix, go check out Super Crooks. It's 13 episodes. It's because it's 13 episodes and because it has, like, kind of three arcs. It's really well paced, so like it'll hold you for the entire time. Um, um, but on that note, my name has been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio, and I will talk to you on Sunday.
Sugar.